0: I'm Steve Hayes, and welcome to This Is My Story. I love stories, and what I find most compelling about them is when I can talk to other people about what's gone on in their lives. And when you hear everything that has come together to make them who they are, it's really powerful. So please listen along with This Is My Story. Alright, y'all, we are here with a good friend and um guy who's been coming to our church for a while now, Ben Brunton. Ben, golly, how do I describe you, Ben? Ben's like a you're like a you're like a real cowboy, man. That's pretty much what you do. You're a cattleman. And, and I um I remember the first time that <clears throat> that I really got to see what you do. I mean, we had met a couple of times, but you invited us out to uh, to Angus, I guess, to the mm-hmm. to y'all's business that y'all run out there. And y'all basically run the, the cattle auction out there, mm-hmm. you and your family. So I showed up out there, and I didn't know what to expect. And I had, first of all, about the best chicken fried steak I've had in a long time. And the food was fantastic. But then I walked into the auction, and man, it was like nothing I've ever seen before. I'm, I guess I'm kind of a city boy, I guess. But I walk in there, and there's a, yeah, I mean, it's just what you would think of when you think of an auction. Guy up there, like, give me one, die. hey, <laughs> I don't know how they do that. Yeah. I had no idea what he was saying the whole time. I guess that's your brother, right?
1: No, it's a good friend of mine. Okay. That's My good... brother
0: used to auctioneer, but okay. he just buys now. Yeah. So that guy gets going, and I guess there's a whole art form to that mm-hmm. to kind of know how to do that. I was just, I just remember being like, don't raise your hand or scratch your face or nothing because you don't want to walk out of here with a cow. <laughs> yeah, that's kind
1: of a, kind of a cellborn joke. Yeah. The, the auctioneer pretty much knows. who who buys each week and knows when somebody's scratching and when somebody's actually bidding, so.
0: So what are you doing? The whole time we were watching you, you were just writing stuff down in a book. So what are you doing up Uh, there? I get,
1: when they come in, I write down their tag number. So that's how we identify who sold that animal and then who bought it. So when the sale's over, we go back and check those numbers, make sure they get to the right people. I write that down, and then I write down who buys it and how much it goes for, and then I will send it behind
0: me, and they stamp the weight on there. And that's just one part of your job. Mm-hmm. You do that on, what, Tuesdays? Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the time, you're you're in charge of cattle, you're finding cattle. Are, do you, are you finding cattle for the auction? Uh,
1: usually, you going around the countryside and you see somebody that's got some cattle and just, you know, sometimes you stop just to talk and kind of just see where they're selling their cattle, see if you can help them out and, you know, see if you help them with market their cattle and if they're happy with where they're going. And a lot of times people will call us new to the area kind of seeing what we're all about. and mm-hmm. So just kind of trying to build it up as much as we can. So, there's a lot of recruiting that goes on from you. Yeah, we like to uh, we like to say a Selborne's horse in a beauty parlor <laughs> <laughs> because the littlest thing can make somebody mad and they won't come back mm-hmm. and you don't even know what you did. So, you got to kind of go back and hunt and see what you did to upset them. And you kind of got to, I know we're in church, but you kind of got to kiss their butt a little bit. To, Get them to come back and try to do the best you can to make everybody
0: happy. I'm just glad you said but. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like church. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes the littlest thing can run people off of church, too.
1: And it's hard, too, to run run your business when you make somebody mad and you don't know about it. Right. If you know about it, you can try to work with
0: them and fix it. But that's the hardest thing to do is fix something when you don't know. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's <clears throat> it's the kind of line of work that not not just everybody's familiar with, but it has some of the same problems as just about every mm-hmm. line of work, yep. you know. Yep. I mean, I, I've got a friend who, who works in the insurance industry, and he says the same types of things, you know. We we can do the smallest thing, and it rubs somebody the wrong way, and they're gone, and, and we didn't even know about it, you know. Yep. So I think that's true of so many different areas, but you wouldn't think of it. In the business that you do, but I bet it is. People are yeah. particular about their cows, huh?
1: Yeah, the uh, Oklahoma and Kansas up that way, it's not so much competition because the barns are so spread out. Okay. Here, you know, around here from our cell barn, I think there are six cell barns within 30 miles of any, wow. any direction. So you're constantly trying to make sure that you're the one they go to and it's it's just hard when there's so many surrounding you so makes it easier for them if they get upset well i just go over here it's just as close so right it's uh it's a constant constant battle you got to stay on top of
0: well it's something that if y'all are listening and you're in the area and you have any interesting cows you ought to get out there to the cell barn and uh Mm. angus it's pretty it's pretty neat thing to to experience. Um, so, you know, one, one of the other ways that we have kind of gotten to know each other is, is not in a way that really either one of us would have chosen, certainly mm. not you, but not too long after y'all started coming to church here, um, y'all really due to your wife kind of having a, a sixth sense about what's going mm. on with the kids she so started noticing some problems with your with your youngest one with mm-hmm. Brody and um, he he just started having some issues and and y'all had gone to several doctors and a couple mm-hmm. of different places trying to get it figured out what was going on with him and they'd tell you little things here and there but nothing real nothing that seemed to explain the kinds of issues that he was having Mm-hmm. And um, and Kirsten just kept kept at it, you know. Mm-hmm. She just kept going, um, and and finally kind of got to the bottom of what was going on. Yep. Um, and when they when they did figure out what was going on, they found out that it was cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, how old was Brody at the time? He was three. And and Kirsten just kept. She was like a, uh, I don't know, I guess it's not the best thing to say about a woman, but she was like a pit bull with this whole deal. She was not going to let it go. Yeah, we call her Mama Bear. Mama Bear. She's a Mama Bear. And she was just not going to let it go until she got to the bottom of what was going on. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, Easter of
1: 2018. Yeah. Uh, We noticed he had been limping a little bit and uh, hunting Easter eggs, he couldn't even really bend down to pick them up. And of course, all your family's around during that time, and so we got plenty of feedback of what was wrong with him. (laughs) So uh, we heard uh, a lot of people agreed on uh, growing pains and thought he might have needed adjustment from a chiropractor, so he got that done and that was a nightmare. Mm which later we found out that the cancer he had, it causes his uh, spine to swell a little bit, and Mm -hmm. so he had little tiny fractures all up and down his spine, Mm -hmm. so that chiropractor, I can imagine how bad that must have hurt. But uh, she went, like you said, she went to several doctors, Um, they all told her their opinion, and she just knew something wasn't right, that that wasn't good enough. So I was at the sale Warren on a Monday and she called me and said, I got a feeling that we need to do something different. So her nurse friend, which uh, went with us and we went to Children's in Dallas and we sat in the ER for no telling how long, it was forever. And finally got to see a doctor and we knew something was wrong when the doctor said, we're gonna keep you overnight and do some more tests. Mm. And that turned into about a week, and that's when we found out he had stage 4 neuroblastoma, which was a mouthful, but very rare cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's where it all... how old was he? Three.
0: Three. So, man, that had to just take your breath away.
1: Yeah, I was uh, really in shock just really not knowing how to process it and uh, i remember the first thing first thing i did is of course we prayed and i told told god i said i didn't know i don't know how we're gonna handle this but you do and i pray for the peace that only you can give Mm. and
0: he sure did he gave it man you say peace that that's the part that I mean, it kind of gets me emotional just talking about it right now, just thinking what it would be like for me with one of my kids, you know, and that's the first place everybody's mind goes when they hear about this is, man, I've got little ones too. I can't imagine going through that. And then especially as a man and as the husband and the father, I think we feel a real responsibility to, To take care of our families Mm -hmm. to provide for their safety and their comfort you know that's a big part of our identity and um, when you find something like that out that really you don't have any control over the Mm -hmm. situation now there's nothing you can really do did you feel really helpless you know um, Kristen was a Obviously,
1: pretty upset, and uh, didn't know what we were gonna do. And she kind of told her what I had on my heart was exactly what you said. You know, this isn't something we can control. We can't fix it. All we can do is be here for him. We have to lean on God and His help, and He's got a plan. If He heals Brody, He's gonna get the glory, and if He doesn't, He's gonna get the glory. But we're gonna we're gonna give this to Him and it's in his hands and that's how we're mm-hmm. gonna handle this and like i said on the piece i know for a fact that, that he because i can't even look at pictures of him when he was in the hospital without crying without tearing mm-hmm. up and you know he just gave us i even Kristen too she's she's pretty shy and calm and doesn't have a whole lot to say but that mama bear come out at the hospital. I mean, I've seen her just turn into a nurse overnight. I mean, she researched that stuff, listened to everything the doctor said. You know, when I'm in there, it's going in one ear and out the Mm -hmm. other. I mean, all them terms and stuff. Yeah, She wasn't afraid to tell the doctors, no, or we're not doing that, we're gonna do this. And, you know, she was on top of it from the start. Right. And, she was strong the whole way through it and the only thing we can attest it to because even now she same way I mean we can't even watch a movie about a kid having cancer without just crying for hours Mm -hmm. and uh, so she uh, prayer works by Mm -hmm. far and uh, that's the only people ask us all the time how we did that and went through it and that's the only answer I got yeah it certainly
0: wasn't you, was it? Not, no. No. <laughs> you didn't know what you were doing? No, not a clue. Uh, neither one of you, really. I, I mean, I remember coming to see y'all in mm-hmm. the hospital not long after that. And, you know, y'all were doing the best you could. and mm-hmm. You were like any other parent in that situation, just kind of deer in the headlights, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all are, like you said, shy kind of soft spoken country people you know you're Mm -hmm. from the country you're not you're used to going in the highways and byways to talk about cattle with people you're not used to being in the big city you know right in the middle of the concrete jungle And, and and that was your home for a while I mean
1: yeah from the the first trip up there we went from being in bubble wrap to driving 55 just hoping we're going to get there to being the ones driving 90 telling everybody <laughs> to get out of the way.
0: I bet. You got used to honking that horn, mm-hmm. didn't you? Well, um, man, what a journey. And then, uh, And then the other thing that stands out about that time is just how much this community began to mm-hmm. rally around y'all. I mean, people came out of the woodwork yep. once they found out and it was Brody Strong, you know, mm-hmm. that became the the little mantra that everybody yeah. put, hashtag Brody Strong, and you'd see it on t-shirts and hats, and I mean, it, everybody just came out and, and supported y'all. How, how did that feel? Because, you know, you're, another thing about, especially men, we're, we're kind of proud sometimes. Yeah. We don't want to get first of all and i know you're this way you don't want everybody in your business Mm -hmm. secondly you don't always want to receive help from people because like i can do i can handle it i can do it myself Mm -hmm. but you didn't really have a choice in this matter your business was out there like it or not and people were wanting to do something to help how did that hit you
1: yeah uh just exactly like you said when uh or Selborne, some people that worked there, put on the first benefit, and uh, they called and asked us about it, and that was my first response was no, I don't. We don't need any charity. We don't want any charity. We just want our boy better. And a good friend of mine called me, and he said, uh, he said, have I ever, have I ever lied to you? And I said, no, I don't think so. He said, well, people want to help. And they, the only way they know how to help is by donating their money. If they didn't want to donate their money and didn't love you, they wouldn't be doing it. They want to do this to help you. And by you saying no is more hurtful to them than saying yes and just allowing them to do this. Mm-hmm. And he said, I promise you they're doing it because they love you, not because they think that you need charity. So we went ahead and went through it. And uh, several other, there was uh I think a, uh, there was a rodeo that was put on, and Russ did a gun auction, and mm-hmm. I think they had a baseball tournament too, and just it was just it was so much, it was
0: just overwhelming. I'm sure it was humbling, very, you very know, very humbling, but and and probably uncomfortable at times. Yep, but you you made it through.
1: Yeah. And it really helped. I'm sure. Oh, we couldn't have made it through without it. Yeah. Yep,
0: then. And I help. I think it helped them too. All those people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it helped them to. You know. People go through so much of their lives making widgets. You know, at the factory or, or going into the office to, you know, deal with this problem or that problem and, and you know, most people don't don't really much like what they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not the ultimate source of their, um, of their, you know, personality or meaning in life. And so they want something to latch on to that, that is bigger than them. And mm-hmm. that makes a difference, especially in the life of a kid, you know, that would give a kid an opportunity to go on and live a full life. Mm-hmm. So I think it helped all those people too, because it helped them break out of the mundane, mm-hmm. maybe more meaningless aspects of, of life and helped them latch on to something that was really truly life or death and important. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure you got that kind of feedback from some people too, huh? Yep. Yeah, we, uh, we had a lot of people
1: that that just they said they didn't know what else to do but this, and just hoped that it would help. And uh, it meant the world to us. And they like said it was, the way everybody came together was so so awesome that it was overwhelming at the same time, and just kind of in shock on that too. On I mean, right. where, you, what do you do? You know, Right. You, you hate to hate to just feel so helpless, but at the same time, when they're when they're pouring their hearts out, it was amazing to see.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you came into all this, you and Kristen, were y'all, would you have considered yourself real close to God? Uh,
1: I, both Kristen and me were sa- saved about the same age, about nine years old. And uh, we both grew up in Christian homes. Uh, I went to Mildred Baptist mm-hmm. Church for pretty much my whole school life. and. About the time that we got out, uh, we got married uh, first year at of high school and uh, started our own lives and kind of in that stage where we really didn't know where you fit in at which church and about that time my parents switched churches and uh, mm-hmm. didn't really feel comfortable at the church that they were at and just kind of got into the habit of not going. Mm-hmm. And uh really just felt like life was kind of a crazy mess that just seemed empty that nothing was in going the right direction and uh sitting in a deer stand one day just just felt so empty and i just cried out to god for help and that's that month that uh next weekend we had a plan we're going to come to grace first and then we had uh i think north side and first baptist after that Mm -hmm. We didn't make it to number two and three. We (laughs) liked where we were on the first stop. Good. uh, And I think uh, that that had to be part of God's plan because Brody, he also has really bad asthma. And I think Kristen got that nursing ability and, you know, stay on top of medicines and everything from that which prepared her for what was fixing to come Mm -hmm. and then especially getting into a great church that would put us back on our feet spiritually uh prepared us there's no way that if that would have happened before that
0: i don't think we could have handled it yeah so so you were just kind of getting back into the mix spiritually mm -hmm. and then you just get rocked Mm -hmm. with this situation how did that affect your walk with Jesus?
1: Really and truly, um, nobody wants their kid to have cancer. Nobody wants mm-hmm. their kid to be sick. And don't miss, I mean, don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. We, we grew, grew so much in that experience. Not just me and Kristen, but our two girls, our whole family. Just all the things that changed and I mean, how closer we got to God and the things that he showed us. And it's a lot easier to, to be quiet and pay attention to the small things that are around us each and every day when you're stuck in a hospital watching your kid fight for his life. So,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't get along with that. That's uh, an awesome answer, man. <laughs> uh, we, we wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to respond to that because it's so different. I mean. Uh, the, the thing <laughs> that, uh, the biggest thing
1: I, I took out of the whole thing is I was struggling really bad with the fact that our girls were stuck at home with us being months at a time in the hospital. And then especially with Brody being three right. years old. right going through six, chemo, six rounds of chemo, 12 rounds of radiation, surgery, stem cell transplant twice, hmm. immunotherapy, multiple, multiple needle pokes and medicine job down his throat. And I just remember coming home just saying, God, how in the world is he ever gonna wanna trust you and follow you after all the stuff he's been through and about that time, probably going to cry here. You got one of those little microphone deals that you can sing into. I don't know what you call them. A mm-hmm. uh, cordless one. Oh, karaoke yeah, mic yeah.
0: kind of deal. Yeah.
1: And it's right when I was think, thinking that, here's this little bald-headed kid with no, ha- no hair walking down the hall singing Jesus Loves Me. And that was like, who do you think you're talking to? I'm God you don't control you don't control Brody's life it's not your job to. I mean you can't save him I'm the one that does that and that mm-hmm. was the pivotal moment in the whole thing just seeing that sweet little boy bald headed singing Jesus loves me walking down the hall
0: usually Ben people come in here and they start telling their story and they get choked up but you got me all choked up now and I'm, I'm glad because, I mean, <clears throat> you, uh, the kind of faith that you demonstrated through that was really an example to a lot of people. Because um, you could have gone the other way, and so many people do that. They go through hard times, they go through difficulties, especially with, with a child. You know, you just can't think of anything more, more gut-wrenching to go mm-hmm. through. And, and you have people who blame God and get angry with God and, and think somehow that God has put this horrible situation upon their child. Um, and it doesn't seem like that's the way that you process this at all. No. How, how would you describe the way you process this? that's different from that. Consider it all pure joy. When you face trials, that's how we tried to handle it.
1: Yeah, and to hand-
0: it doesn't seem to me that you think that God really put, like, put something bad on you. No,
1: no, it, we all, every one of us is gonna face something in life. It's different for everyone, I feel. This was what happened to us. I don't think it came from God at all. It's just from sin coming into this world, something that happened. And the only the only way that we knew that we could get through it was by following Him and trusting Him the whole way, that that was the only way because we walk down them hospital halls all the time, and you could tell just by looking at people's face, whether they were, believed in God or not, And I just, we talked about it all the time. I don't know how in the world you could handle a child with cancer not knowing God. Hmm. How in the world could you handle that without having something to hope in? Because we knew if Brody wasn't healed here, he was going to be healed in heaven. Hmm. And, I mean, that's the way we looked at it. Either way, he was going to be healed. So... It was our job. God entrusted us to be His caretaker, and that's the only way we knew how to handle
0: it. Um, you said you wouldn't. I forget how you said it, but something to the effect of you wouldn't you wouldn't change anything, um, which I can kind of relate to in some ways with with our situation with our son Pierce. You know, um, there were years there where I was where I really struggled with. Mm-hmm. You know, why do, we have, why do we have to have a kid with autism? Why do we have to have a kid who's so different and who has gone through such tremendous difficulties and who's been so hard to parent in some of these ways? You know, it's been tough to go through that. But, um, but there came a time whenever I was like, man, I don't think I would change anything because I look at what it's done in my other kids' lives, mm-hmm. they're, um, you know, they're not the kind of kids who, are, who are making fun of kids on the playground, you know, because they're different. They're the kind of kids who have empathy mm-hmm. for those kids and compassion. And I look at what it's done for me and Kim. You know, it really brought us together where we had to be a team instead of being, you know, a couple of Ships passing in the night. You know, Mm -hmm. we really had to talk through treatment plans and options and things like that. So, um, totally different circumstances, but I feel like I can relate to that Mm -hmm. sentiment of kind of coming to the place where you, because we're so wired to fix things. Right. We get a a problem comes up, we want to fix it. Mm -hmm. Some problems can't be fixed they have to be managed with grace and dignity you know and that's the way I felt uh, kind of come around on on Pierce and our situation as parents is you know we're not going to fix this but we but we can we can trust God through it and we can look at the all the good and beneficial things that have come out of it for our lives and I think relinquishing yourself to that kind of thinking uh, has been very freeing for Mm -hmm. me seems like it has been for you too yeah so you're on the kind of on the other side of this now you know brody's had several clean clear scans he's uh the treatment took effect everything i mean gut-wrenching several years for y'all to go through because of all the things that you mentioned before and having to watch your son suffer and struggle. Um and really be he was so sick along the way there. Mm-hmm. I mean there were a couple times where he was just so sick you didn't know how this was going to turn out. But um it turned out about as good as it could. Mm-hmm. And I know there's still that part of you's gotta be that kinda is like, man, is the other shoe gonna drop here soon, are we gonna get bad news? or Do you live in fear now as a result of going through all that? Kristen was uh, really kinda
1: off before Easter, kinda upset, just really wasn't herself. And I asked her. I said, "What's what's the matter with you? What's what's wrong?" And of course, like most women, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> but uh, finally, she broke down and told me. Said Easter's coming up. Well, me being a dumb guy, I don't know what she's talking about. And then she finally told me. Well, that's when we found out about Brody. I just get nervous every around Easter time because that's when we found out. And you know I don't even I don't even that doesn't even cross my mind about it coming back I mean I know it's a possibility this is a very cancer that's been known to come back and when it comes back it's really really almost impossible to get rid of it's pretty much a death sentence Mm. so she's crying out pouring out her heart to me about how if it comes back he will not make it and You know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I just told her, I said, God doesn't look at statistics. What the doctors say is not him. He's the ultimate healer, and he controls Brody's life. And there's nothing that me and you can do to change that. All we can do is trust in God, and when that bridge comes, we'll cross it, Mm -hmm. and he's gonna be right there with us. Mm -hmm. So there's no sense in living in fear. So I guess to answer your question, um I mean it's back there but I don't I don't live in fear about it. Yeah. And I look at that, that little boy just every day and how how happy happy a kid he is and just he's he's just a little little bundle of joy, he's just mm-hmm. so happy all the time and that was one thing that was made it so much easier in the hospital. You know, a year and a year and ten months of treatment on and off not one time did he ever complain mm. not one time mm. which made me look at all my life and the <laughs> little things that I complain about that don't go my way and here's a kid fixing to get poked he didn't complain about it but he was mm. fixing to knock the nurse out <laughs> so but so he was they called him the little Hulk cuz it took it took four of them to hold him down every yeah. time they did something so but Broached he uh, he showed us <laughs> He showed us so much, just himself. We learn more from him than, mm. than he'll probably ever learn from us. Yeah, just kids pretty can amazing do
0: that. Kid, yeah, pretty amazing kid. And, and to think, you know, you, you probably never would have seen that, you know, no. in any other circumstance. And so, you know, it just goes to show you sometimes we define our lives by. By our comfort we define our lives by how things are going you know they're either going good or they're going bad but when you have an eternal perspective when you when you look at it outside of the situation and outside of the moment sometimes you can really see that that those times brought out the best in you and they Mm -hmm. brought out the best in Brody and you know they, they, they brought out things that you wouldn't have seen any other way, and it's, it's kind of like when we I was telling you about Pierce earlier, but we talk about Pierce being a severe blessing. You know, it was it, going through some of those moments were severe. Mm-hmm. They were hard, but they were every bit of them was a blessing, too. You know, and those severe blessings are sometimes the best because they're not. Surface level, Mm -hmm. they're not getting a few more dollars in your pocket, or you know, (laughs) stumbling into to some good circumstance. They're they're real and they're raw, and they you never forget them. You
1: know. Yep, there's a lot of things past few years that just brought a lot of stuff into perspective. You know, being being dealing with all that with Brody and being so far apart from away from family Mm -hmm. and then COVID hit and then bringing everybody back together Mm -hmm. and just everything all tying in together, you know, just showing you how important it is, how family is, how Mm -hmm. important it is and sticking together and just the way God uses stuff that we don't consider to be good for blessings is just amazing to me. Mm
0: It really is. Well, man. I just appreciate you so much you're uh, you're one of those guys you don't know it because you don't that's probably the most that many people have ever heard you talk (laughs) you know you're not a guy who just gets around people and just lights up the room and talks their ear off but you know in your own quiet steady way you I'm supposed to be your pastor and minister to you but you've ministered to me and a lot of other people so I'm uh, proud to know you thankful Thank for you. your example of how you walk through this really excited and just stirs me up to think about the kind of faith that God has built in you and um, man we just love we love you love your family glad you're here I love y'all too thanks for having me and thanks for making the time to talk about something that's really real and tough and raw but appreciate it it's going to go a long way to to for a lot of other people to hear this glad to do it thanks man thanks <laughs>